This is Canada Reads American Style, featuring two friends who love Canada Reads and Canadian literature. Welcome our host Rebecca from Michigan and Tara from Ontario. Hi everyone, it's Rebecca. And our good friend Colleen encouraged us to read one of her book club titles, and she reached out to the author on our behalf. So we are excited to chat with David Giuliano, who is a spiritual guide, writer, and speaker. He is an award-winning writer of fiction and nonfiction books, essays, and poems. The Undertaking of Billy Buffone is David's first novel and the one we'll be chatting about today. His collection of essays, Uh, Postcards from the Valley, Encounters with Fear, Faith, and God was a Canadian bestseller. It's Good to Be Here, Stories We Tell About Cancer is a spiritual memoir about his 20-year journey with cancer to which he brings fierce honesty and humor in a conversation about the metaphysics of medicine and the power of story to heal. Welcome to the podcast, David. Oh, it's so great to be here. Thank you. Great. Well, we always like to jump right in. So I just want to say that Tara and I absolutely loved this book. We just chatted a lot about it after we read it. But can you, for those who haven't quite yet read it, can you give us a synopsis of the novel? Sure. The Undertaking of Billy Buffoni takes place in an isolated uh, small town in northwestern Ontario, where A person of uh, certain gravitas, importance in the community has been preying on boys in the community for a number of years and uh, at the beginning of the story is killed. And main characters are Matthew, who narrates the story from the life beyond this life, and his best friend, Billy Buffoni, who carries a secret with him that Uh, Matthew leaves when he dies, and Catherine, who is the newly minted uh, minister at the local church and who develops a romantic interest in Billy. The story, in in my mind, is is about forgiveness. It's about healing. Uh, It's about the collateral damage caused by uh, trauma in a community and the, the ways in which that heals and the importance of forgiving oneself. It's beautiful. Thank you. And those are three great characters too, David. I really love them. But I loved Matt's presence throughout the book and which you mentioned he is deceased in the Mm -hmm. book, but he still acts as a first person narrator throughout the book. Mm -hmm. Can you discuss your use, like why you decided to use him in that way? Well, uh, a number of reasons. Uh, one is is that I really liked um, blank on her first name, Sibold's uh, "The Lovely Bones" and oh, yeah. a story told yeah. from narrated by someone who's died. But it felt important to me for it to be someone who was uh, somehow the third person didn't feel right for a story like this that is so intimate and uh, personal and. Um, that that uh, the first person seemed to work better. It also was that, you know, there is a perspective that I think we only ultimately ever gain from an awareness of our, our mortality. And uh, so he has a, I, I feel like Matthew, for someone who, who dies violently, has a kind of easy concern for the other characters in the story that that I I appreciate. 
I keep forgetting. Yeah. And I wrote it. <laughs> I, I so often, you know, I, I got to know all these characters so well, I really do think of these other people, but yeah. And I think it's funny because, you know, I, I kind of, wouldn't it be lovely if after we're gone, we do have that ability to sort of see the people that we love and to see mm -hmm. them kind of carry on. So I loved just the idea of, of that as well. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things I thought was really interesting is there are indigenous uh characters in the novel. And I wanted you, if you could, to talk about, you pay great respect between the indigenous spirituality in the story and the Christian Christianity in the novel. And I wondered, is that a more current attitude or did that exist in Northern Ontario during the time the novel was set? Well, the novel takes place in, in three decades, the 60s, the 70s, and the 90s. Um, so, of course, it would change over that time, but most of the interaction with the Indigenous communities, Picro River is the uh, fictitious name of the community, happened in the 90s. And, and there, there was a growing respect, and there has always been. I, I'm fairly um, connected with the Indigenous community that's uh, next door to the one I live in, and uh, there's been a great deal of respect. But I have to say that was probably the most difficult part of the story to write because as a as a non-indigenous person as someone from the settler culture you know i wanted to take great care to not be telling stories that aren't mine to tell on the other hand it, it would it seems so false to leave indigenous communities out of a story that happens in an isolated place in northwestern ontario and and i took the opportunity to um you know, raise some of the issues like residential schools and the disproportionate representation of Indigenous people in prison and so on. But to your question about is it is it as good as it sounds in the book? Probably not, <laughs> and still not. Um, mm -hmm. But one of the one of the things I am aware of is that those people, certainly the minister Catherine, would be would be uh, respected and welcomed in in that community. By, by a lot of people. Uh, and Billy, of course, as the undertaker, uh, would have had lots of interaction and built a trust and respect with folks there. I, I had some things in the original version that reflected more of kind of the racist things that, that are very much a part of life in a community like 26 Mile House. But I had a, a pre-reader from an Indigenous perspective and uh, he recommended that some of those things be taken out, that he said he didn't feel that they could be, that that, that it would just be experienced as a, a racist slight. Like I, I think of, there was a scene where um, Billy's talking to the bartender at the Legion about planning a funeral of a kind of a hermit who had died. And she says, said, uh, you know, really, I don't know anything about him. He comes in once a month and points at the beer tap with his chin like an Indian. And, you know, the, that is something that t could be totally said. But the reader uh, who who gave me some good advice on how to do that said, no, I'll leave that out. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I, out of respect for the, the person who, who did that work, you know, for us, I, I just felt like, well, I, I have to. But you're right. I think it does lead to a, a more sanitized version of reality and it's a huge range i mean there's great respect on one end and none on the other 
And I have to say too, there was a scene with Catherine when she, I can't, I, I'm trying to think if it was in a, was it, was it in a, um, a sweat lodge kind of setting? And she Boy. was just so respectful. Like even what she said to herself was like, I don't know if I should do this or this or that. And I thought that is so, that felt very just real because I think we all would have been in that, would have had those thoughts in that setting. So I thought that was beautiful. Yeah. They were having the three day fire for Gilbert, who was a young indigenous man who, who dies in the story. And, uh, and I, I, I know that feeling of Catherine's I've lived it exactly almost of, you know, do I have any right to impose myself on these sacred things that are going on inside? And, you know, she wrestles with that out in the rain outside the three day fire in the teepee and, enters and and is accepted into the circle in her own way and but also feels awkward about not noticing the tobacco she should have offered and pronouncing the gwich poorly and you know those kind of things thank you so david this is a very dark subject matter that you've uh, faced with this book but speckled throughout there are these beautiful humorous moments like i would be weepy eyed reading one chapter and then like the next page I would be giggling like there was just you just had these beautiful little moments could you discuss why or how you used humor in this book yeah I mean first of all I would say isn't life like that you mm-hmm. know? Uh, yep. one especially the intensity of grief or whatever one moment we're weeping and the next moment we're laughing but, but, you know, for me, it was really important, especially for uh, the victims of, of Scout or Churley, that, they're, that they were three-dimensional characters, you know, that they weren't, you know, okay, this is the victim and this is the perpetrator and, you know, this one's traumatized and, you know, their, their life is, you know, like, I, and I guess the thing is, too, is I, I don't try to be funny, but I think from Matthew's perspective, watching the foibles of human beings, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's just funny, like not things you do that, you know, Catherine wanting to ask Billy to go for a coffee and, you know, kind of, <laughs> you know, loneliness can make you really foolish <laughs> or at least, at least, at least take some big risks. And, uh, she, uh, you know, so those are funny things or, yeah. or a lot about Billy, which are, I found reading it over after like funny, but also like, uh, I, I almost, uh, make me, cringe a little bit and and Mm -hmm. he's been living as a bachelor he doesn't close the bathroom door you know like (laughs) stuff stuff like that that you know I think is very very real and and when we read it in a novel it sounds funny yeah I think the first moment I'm not going to say because I don't want to ruin the funny moment for uh, those who haven't read it yet one of the first funny moments that I had I actually kind of went wait because I'm not expecting it and I went wait a minute did she just, because it was Catherine, I'm like, did she just say that? And I, had <laughs> I know to go exactly back what you're talking read, about. Yes, you know what I'm talking about. And I'm like, <laughs> like, did she just say that? I'm like, I think she did. But tell me you've you've never done something like that. Oh, no, of course. <laughs> That's why I think later. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. The times I've done that. And then I, you know, I'm walking along later and I think, but I? <laughs> no, I couldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great um, moment. Yeah. 
Well, I'm going to get real serious now here because my question, so after Tara and I, when we read it, after we were done, we chatted about it. And in the conversation, we both sort of see Billy and Matthew as Christ figures. We we sort of examined like their how they appeared and, and everything. And we just saw them both as Christ figures. Can you talk about that? And also, so there's that one thing, but also I love the symbolism that runs throughout the novel. There's the bear that appears in the story. The you have were very specific about the number of ravens, and so I'll have to offline tell you a story about my number of raven story. <laughs> and then there's the whole concept of it's Easter time and redemption. And then Bart, I'll just throw that out there. We don't want to give away too much stuff here and the hot cross buns. And so I wondered how important is it that the reader makes the connections to those symbols or does it not matter? Like, I mean, I feel like either way, whether you see the, those symbols or you don't, the story is incredible, but how important is it, is it to you as a, the author who's written it for people to make those connections? I cannot tell you how happy I am to hear that question (laughs) because I have always loved reading novels and, you know, thinking, oh, I see what the author's doing, you know, a symbolism or some subtle representation or those kind of things. But I think, I think it also, the novel stands on its own, I think, uh, just as a a good story as well. Mm -hmm. My, my, uh, our daughter's, uh, husband, his mom, uh, read the novel and afterwards she texted me and said, I just finished our novel. And I thought, that's on our novel. And then it dawned, (laughs) and it dawned on me, of course, every piece of writing has what the writer intended and what the reader read and and they aren't necessarily the same story but but there's this richness in the conversation that comes from it so yes it does matter to me uh the symbolism and i intentionally uh, included that because i think in metaphor and symbol a lot and so it wasn't like i sat down and said okay now i'm gonna do this and that but that's how stories come out of me Doors were a really important part, stepping through a door, not stepping through a door, mm-hmm. Catherine going through the door, the door on the the um, cave, you know, that fits perfectly into the opening, you know, those kind of, you know, oh, the, those yeah. really do matter to me. Um, bears are a symbol of healing uh, in this part of the world. Ravens, of course, I, I have a, a bit of a thing for ravens. I, I, um, sometimes walk in the cemetery. I've lived in this small isolated town in Northern Ontario for 35 years. And so I sometimes go walk in the cemetery and I'm not kidding you. There's a particular Raven who remembers me and Mm -hmm. hops along with me while I, I visit the cemetery. And, uh, so I, I, I maybe fed it one time. I I don't remember feeding (laughs) it, but you know, so I, I'm, I'm really, um, aware of how, uh, nature kind of, does that with us. I was really interested in your observations about the uh, characters being like Christ figures. I, I really, I mean, intentionally and aware, uh, you know, I had uh, Matthew in that way, you know, putting down mm-hmm. his life for the life of someone else, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, making a sacrifice in that sense. I hadn't thought about Billy and, but if I did, if I do, I think, I think of Billy kind of more like Peter who, who let 
Jesus down. I mean, Peter, who denied Jesus uh, before he went to the cross and had to carry, you know, had to go on living with with that failure and, you know, how he must have somehow had to how to deal with that to become who he, who he became, you know, according to the gospel stories. So, yeah. Okay. I'm going to have to go back and look at that again, because I think, I mean, you wrote it and I think you're right. <laughs> no, but I'm going to have to look, I'm going to have to go back and look our, at it. You finished our novel. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's I'm, no, really seriously. I'm going to go back yeah. and kind of mm. look at it again and, and see that kind of that role is, it's being Peter. That's interesting. Yeah. So yeah, and, I want to go back and, and Billy look at the of, doors. Yeah, and Billy of course, and then getting out of the opening, um, Florence putting Billy out the door uh, into the storm. Billy getting out of the cart in the middle of the storm. Yeah, yeah. But uh, and then of course, yeah, the Easter, the Easter uh, allusions are not, uh, they're not particularly hidden. You know, I mean, yeah. Billy, Billy rises. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. a great moment. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where we saw that was that mm-hmm. why we kind of thought of that because it was Easter and he does mm-hmm. survive. And so I think that was a little bit why we kind of thought that, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, thank you for that. And yeah, I, 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 that's, I don't always see the symbolism in things, but it was funny because when I saw that in the chapter, it said six ravens and I thought, well, that's awfully specific, you know? And so I said something to Tara and I, cause I looked up what does six ravens mean? Cause if you look it up, it does tell you what this many mean and this many, et cetera. And then oh. the next time it was seven ravens. So I thought, well, okay. So he must, that six and that seven must mean something. And it does mean different things, slightly different things. Mm-hmm. So that's why I, that's why I picked up on that. And uh, I don't, Tara, did you at the time, the numbers stand out to you or no? Uh, no, I remember you mentioning it to me and I was like, oh, I didn't like the Ravens stuck out to me, but not the numbers. And you texted me and I was like, let me know what you find out because I, <laughs> I knew you were going to research it. So they're very important in, um, well, of course, in indigenous communities, they're, they're the trickster and yeah. in some cultures that they analogous to Jesus, the trickster. But uh, for me, I mean, I grew up as a kid, you know, the ravens in folklore and, and uh, fairy tales and things like that and, and the, the roles they played. Okay, David, throughout the book, the power of words is mentioned several times. In the end, does Billy find the power of words? I think, I think he finds the power of words in being, uh, he, he finds that speaking the truth is empowering. Um, so it, they, they, they begin his healing in many ways, but it's the the ravens at the end of the story. To me, it was really important that the community be present um, in that moment. So I had to figure out a way to get them to the highway. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and but it is like, I think there can't be healing for an individual without healing for f- in the community, you know, like, so one, in, one individual being healed doesn't heal the community. People, it's a thing we participate in together. And um, so uh, it was really important that they were there and him beginning to uh, voice that what, you know, secrets he's been carrying for uh, all his adult life was, you know, he, I think he, he experiences liberation in that, even though, you know, it could, 
could mean trouble for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think he could do that without Catherine, without the feeling that she was there for him, yeah. that she could trust him. I mean, that he could trust her and, uh, and that. But I, I love um, Thomas King, his Nazi lectures. He always began with the truth about stories is, is that stories are all we are. And, and that it's, it's the words that we speak and are spoken and heard that shape us as human beings. So I think those little words that he needed to confess was the beginning of, you know, perhaps a long or, or a short period of healing and self-forgiveness. Okay, David, before we sign off, we want to know what you are currently reading. What book? I, I had to look quickly. I just got off the uh, five days on Lake Superior at the Ignace Islands group uh, kayaking. And so I thought the only book I had with me was uh, a guidebook and a paperback, uh, Robert B. Parker, which I bring because I can read a quick little bit and go to sleep yeah. in my tent at night. But what I'm actually just finishing is uh, Why Men Lie by uh, Lyndon McIntyre. Oh. I, I What was it? I read... It was one of his I read. I think it was the Winter Wives, and then and then you know I'm I'm, I'm sort of like a I, I read an author and I read everything I can get my hands on. And I understand you two are librarians, so let me just say a moment of thank goodness for libraries and librarians. <laughs> but you know I get whatever I you know whatever I can get by that author in the library, then yeah. that's what I'll read for a while. So it's Linda McIntyre right now. Well, I will just say I'm not a librarian, uh, oh. David, or no, Rebecca is, Rebecca yeah, is, okay. and Shauna, who was the original, one of the original hosts also was. Mm. I'm just a uh, intense library user, so oh, I am also graceful, grateful for librarians like yourself. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, and, and I have to say one of the things we do often is we promote our public libraries. We often um, do that on our uh, Bookstagram accounts mm-hmm. because public libraries are just so important to all communities, but especially communities in need. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what we're there for as well. Absolutely. So, yeah. Well, David, this has been really just such a pleasure to chat with you. And again, I just want to give another shout out to our great friend, Colleen, for suggesting this book to us and kind of connecting us with you, because I agree with Tara. This is one of our best reads this year in 2022. And, and uh, we just really look forward to what's coming next or do you have anything i know that this hasn't been out that long but do you have something kind of planned in the yeah future? Oh, i've got i've got one just about ready to go to the publisher oh excellent um, oh and uh i just was working with an editor and i'm going through and doing some more work on it before i i turn it over to the publisher to see what she thinks Great. Well, we will be definitely reading it and yeah. uh, maybe at that point we can have you come back and chat with us again That'd be great. And thanks so much for your invitation. And if you don't mind, I would just say that if people want to know more about the undertaking of Billy Buffoni or about other things I've written, they can find it on my website at davidgiuliano.ca. Great. And we will put that in the show notes as well. So David, thank you so much. Yeah. So thank you so much. Thank you, David. Thank you for joining us on our bookish journey. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing, rating, and reviewing Canada Reads American Style wherever you listen. You can connect with the podcast and Rebecca on Instagram at Canada Reads American Style and with Tara at On a Branch Reads. Until next time, keep reading. <laughs>